In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Have you ever considered that God is a great communicator? God is a great communicator. We just have to listen. The Bible uses many different ways to paint a rich picture of what Christ accomplished for you by his cross and empty tomb. God is a great communicator. We just have to listen. And so let me tell you some different ways that you can think about your salvation. We can think about salvation described in marketplace terms. Buying, right? Jesus has redeemed you. That's what redeemed means, to buy back, to purchase. He has brought you back from sin, death, and the power of the devil with his holy, precious blood and innocent sufferings and death. If you guys are war buffs, you like uh, action, right? We can think of Jesus going behind enemy lines to rescue us, right? Jesus courageously battling the forces of hell for us, for you. Rescuing those held hostage by sin, death, and the power of the devil. That's another way to look at it, right? God's a great communicator. Many times, the scriptures describe salvation in a courtroom. Think of a courtroom, okay, when you think of what God is doing. Courtroom. God, the holy judge, pronounces you righteous for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not guilty, innocent, righteous, right? And indeed, we hear that Christ has gifted you with his righteousness. Christ himself, while taking the sin and shame upon himself. Courtroom. You are free and liberated, uh, and he took those punishments for you. And so Paul describes that courtroom activity in today's epistle lesson. So here's what he says. For our sake, for your sake, right? God's a great communicator. For God's sake, God made him to be sin. Right? All that punishment, all that shame, all that guilt poured on him. Made him to be sin who knew no sin, didn't commit any sin, had no sin in him, so that we, so that you, might become the righteousness of God. Courtroom, that's in today's lesson. So think of a court. It helps to process everything. It's crazy though, because 2 Corinthians, today's lesson has a lot of other ways to describe it too. Okay? So Paul talks about reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is taking a broken relationship and mending it. Making it whole again. Completely restoring that relationship. And Paul uses another metaphor of salvation today. New creation. There's all these different things coming together. He speaks about what God has done for us in this passage. And taken together, guys, taken together, it creates something interesting and talks about how we, how you, have a whole new identity in Christ Jesus. Okay, You have been given a new identity in Him. That's another way to think of it. So let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think of new identities? You know what 
immediately leapt to my mind the witness protection program. When we think of new identities, we probably think of books or movies about people in the witness protection program. Popular culture always seems to depict the program keeping an eye on, watching over innocent men and women who are in the wrong place at the wrong time, who have witnessed a crime, right, and through no fault of their own become a target of criminal organizations or uh, people for their testimony, right? That's how we always see it. Listen to this. This is crazy. Gerald Shure, who developed the Witness Protection Program in 1971, estimated that fewer than 5%, you heard that right, 5%, fewer than 5% of relocated witnesses would fall into that category, right? Virtuous victims in the wrong place at the wrong time. So who are the vast majority of people in the Witness Protection Program? Take a guess. Career criminals. Career criminals who take a deal to avoid prosecution and sentencing for themselves in exchange for incriminating testimony against other criminals and criminal organizations. Maybe, and most likely, that they were a part of, right? And so when we look at this, we think, boy, that sounds shady. As you might imagine, a new identity right, in, in the witness protection program, a fresh start, doesn't always translate into a reformed life, a truly new life. One of dutiful citizenry and upright rehabilitation. You say, man, what a sham. You haven't thought it through. If we examine ourselves, let's turn it inward, if we examine ourselves under the lens of God's law, we have to admit this. We are not just innocent bystanders who lament the sins and shortcomings and lives of those around us. Well, we do. We actually do this a lot. But in reality, we're not innocent bystanders at all. As we look around, distrusting and complaining about all the people out there, we give ourselves a pass for the same things that we condemn in others. It happens all the time. We give ourselves a pass for the things that we condemn in others. Make no mistake. Even Christians often live for themselves, contemptually casting a blind eye to the needs of those around us, all the while wondering, what about me? What about me? Who is going to take care of me? Who is going to go out of their way for me? This is how we think. Who is going to put me first if I don't do it. Oh boy. Have you forgot about Jesus? We so easily undervalue what the Lord has done for us. 
The Lord Jesus put you first. He put you first. You know how I know? That's how I know. Take a look. I know you know the story. We so easily forget or undervalue what our Lord Jesus has done. The Lord Jesus thought about you and your eternal welfare above his own comfort and security. He suffered mocking and rejection of the Sanhedrin, right? The Jewish council, remember that? He wasn't done. He suffered the humiliation of the crown of thorns, scarlet robes, Roman soldiers kneeling, torturing him, mocking him. Hail, King of the Jews! And of course, he suffered the gross death befitting a criminal. That should be our punishment. That's the wages of sin. And this is the depths of the exchange Christ undertook for us. Look at that and remember the courtroom setting. Okay? For our sake, God made him to be sin. There it is. Who knew no sin? So that we, so that you might become the righteousness of God. That's you. The righteousness of God. Imagine it. That's all of you. Imagine it. The righteousness of God. Because of Jesus, that's how God sees you. When God reconciles you, what does reconcile mean? Take a broken relationship and, and restore it completely. Reconciles you to Himself by forgiving your sins. God doesn't just cover up your imperfections or your, your deepest flaws. He does not repair or refurbish your brokenness. You are a new creation, right? That's another way that Paul speaks about salvation. You are a new creation. Your identity. Now think about this, and I really want you to think about this. Your identity is determined by what God says of you. Okay? You are a new creation because God has made it so through His eternal Son. He created you through His gracious activity and He has recreated you by His gracious activity. In Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. One of the greatest examples of this happening is the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul had one identity before Christ came to him directly. Right? And it sounds pretty good. It sounds like, wow, this is an accomplished guy. And in the world standards, Paul was. So here's some of the things that, that he himself lists. Circumcised on the eighth day. Great. Of the people of Israel. Yeah. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. A Hebrew of Hebrews. To the law. A Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Quite the resume. Those things didn't reconcile Paul to God. In fact, they drove him further away 
those things drove him to try to stamp out the message of the gospel. It's folly to those who are perishing. Until Jesus came to Saul with an amazing truth. Okay? And I want you to hear this too. God is an excellent communicator. We just have to listen. Christ came to Saul and showed Saul the truth. And here it is. You persecute the church. You persecute Jesus himself. You persecute those in the church. You persecute Jesus himself. Jesus has truly made you his, his own. The identity of those within the church finds their fullest expression in God's love for them in Christ. You persecute the church. You persecute Jesus. Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. At this time, right, the Lord is risen, ascended. That gospel message transformed Paul. He didn't do it himself. That gospel message transformed Paul. Remember the Paul who would rage and spite and then the gospel comes and it becomes a soothing balm. I want you to hear what Paul has to say about this whole thing. And he doesn't put himself as the actor of what's happened. He gives it all to God. Listen, I thank him, are you hearing me? I thank Him who gives me strength. And here is he, he's writing to the young pastor, Timothy. All right. I thank Him who gives me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent, but I received mercy. Mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And listen to this. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Or you might hear it translated of who I am the foremost. But I received mercy for that reason. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who believe in Him for eternal life. Unbelievable, right? What happens to the Gospel? In Paul, God transforms an opponent of Christ's Gospel into an ambassador, an apostle, one who is sent. One who is sent with the authority and command and words of the one doing the sending. And Paul now sees some... He, sees, he begins seeing people differently. Okay? When we recognize this not only in ourselves and in others, we begin to see others in a new light. Right? we see a new identity, not only granted to us, but granted to those who are around us. Or we should. 
Paul himself says so. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the message of reconciliation. There it is again. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We have a problem in today's society. We see others as the enemy. Okay? With this whole woke movement that, that you've probably been hearing about, it takes a seek and destroy mentality. Right? It, these people act like, like we don't know that there's something wrong with everyone. They've got to prove it to us. Okay? Like we don't know that. We know that. The woke movement seeks to erase, to bury, to humiliate, and to punish. And that's it. That's all at once. The problem is it lacks the ability or the willingness to take that laser focus and focus us inward like Christ would have us do to ourselves. It makes everyone else a problem that we think only deserves our condemnation. Right? Here's the thing. God has solved that problem. Okay? God has solved that problem in Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I want you to look around. Just look around. Just take a glance around the sanctuary. Just look around, please. I know we're Lutherans. We don't like to, you know, do... We're like, oh, can we do that? Take a look around. Take a look around, please. You see all those people around you? Those are people. <laughs> those are people for whom Christ has died. Those are people whom God has reconciled to Himself. Those are people whom God has made new. Look at those people. Remember who they are because of whose they are. I guarantee you that will change your perception and attitude. It should. You know that grouchy woman at work? And you're like, man, a lot. According to the flesh. And you discover that she's got a sick child who is dying. Maybe that's, but she hasn't revealed that to you. But maybe you find that out later. Man, doesn't she need to hear that she's been reconciled to God, that she's a new creation, that her sins have been forgiven, that Christ has given her victory. Right? However you want to explain the gospel, there's many in different ways. We just got to listen. What about that absent person from church? And you're wondering, where in the world is that person? 
and they're dealing with an addiction. Man, don't they need to hear that they've been reconciled with Christ, that they're a new creation, that God loves them despite their struggles? Yeah. Maybe you think, boy, that person's detached. Um, Introverted. And maybe you haven't been down the rabbit hole of their life and found out that they've been systematically abused over years and years and years as a young child. When you look at your fellow people around you as sinners, but also with the reconciliation of Christ that brings to them, we can identify with their brokenness in a new way. People who need to be loved. People who are loved by God. And by extension should be loved by us. You don't have to call yourself an ambassador if that makes you nervous. You're probably not going to classify yourself as an apostle. One who is sent, at least in the way that Paul was. But you do have a new identity through the gospel and the faith that that gospel gives to you. Here's the thing. You have been placed into a witness protection program. But it doesn't need you to try to convict someone else so that you might be set free, right? Like is like it is under the government. You don't have to try to convict someone else so that you might be set free. So that you might be free from sin's sentence. You are in a witness protection program that points to someone who already died and rose to set you free from sin's sentence. Alright, if you're lost... Wake back up. We're almost at the end, I promise. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But literally, it reads this. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. The news is so good, Paul can't wait to get it out. That should be us too. That is us. Look around, brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around. Anyone in Christ, new creation. Look at all those new identities God has granted through His Son. Look at the community and commonality He has given to us as His church. Look to the glorious beginnings and refreshment that He has given to sinners. New creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Look around you one more time. Just look around. Go ahead. I know you've done it before. Do it again. Alright? Look at those people. What glorious, wonderful work our Lord Christ has done for them in them. From now on, 
From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.